Hello. Hey. I'm Alex. I'm Val. And we're going to talk about Kennedy and Heidi. And this is my favorite episode of Sopranos. And it's, uh, I remember the last time I watched this on the last viewing, I think I immediately went back and watched it again because I feel like there's just so much to get out of this episode. And in some ways I feel like it might even be the most important episode of the whole series for me because I think it's kind of where potentially with one reading, Tony is where he figures out who he is and where he kind of reaches his his ultimate point as a character throughout the course of the whole show. And obviously we have the end of Christopher, which is... Um, really very, sad. Really sad. Very surprising. Thank you. <laughs> very sad. <laughs> um, surprising upon first viewing. Also a little bit confusing, if I can remember back to seeing the show for the first time or times. Um it seems to kind of come out of nowhere, but then I also feel like there's all these clues throughout season 6B that are kind of leading us to this point. And we also get clues into Tony's subconscious and what he's thinking about and maybe some clues towards his rationalization for actually killing Christopher that are really interesting. And I think when you actually think about it and analyze why he would have done that, it all really does fit together and does make a lot of sense. But when you watch this show the way you would watch a typical TV show where everything's kind of handed to you, it is a little bit confusing because it does kind of seem to come out of nowhere and we Mm -hmm. aren't given the reasons. We have to kind of work for it. And I think that's the best thing about Mm -hmm. this show. Um, I think there was a lot of criticism over the... Or a lot of confusion um, that maybe turned into criticism because people didn't like how it was treated, how Christopher dies seemingly out of nowhere. Mm. This major character, it seems like a plot device. It seems like something that would happen at the end of the show because it's it's cheap and exciting. Mm. Because since there's so few episodes left, um, getting rid of a main character doesn't have the same weight as it would have earlier because he would be gone anyway. But I think it's much bigger than that. I think... And it's something that I want to talk about maybe to start off with is that aspect of this episode because I think it's really pivotal for the whole series and understanding it on the whole. But the reason why Tony chooses to kill Christopher Mm. because I think it reveals a lot about who he is and kind of sets up this journey that is this episode for Tony. And I feel like this episode really is a journey for Tony from beginning to end that kind of brings him to a new place. The last thing we have is him saying, I get it. And I think that there's a lot, there's a lot there. I think you're right. (laughs) You agree? I agree. That's good. Um, Yeah, go for it. (laughs) You go for it. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go for it. Your favorite episode. It's my favorite episode. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, okay, so I think there is, I think there's probably multiple readings of what's going on. I think that there might be kind of an acceptance of Tony by the end of who he is and how he functions in the world, what his place is, and maybe not lying to himself anymore about the impact he has through his actions and the life that he lives. There is this development where we're coming out of um, an episode where Tony is on this losing streak of gambling and by the end 
after going on this kind of like spirit peyote adventure he's winning every game of roulette um there's this focus there's a couple of really key shots when he's going into the casino there's this focus on the devil that um i think is is quite important there's for me kind of tony questioning for himself why he killed christopher and what it means that he's gone but at the same time kind of selfishly continuing his own kind of existential questioning of his existence mm-hmm. everything kind of seems to focus on him and yeah. there's there's something about i think that he maybe accepts the the evil that he kind of perpetrates this kind of like devil character that he actually kind of embraces it and he goes into this kind of place and he actually starts to win and there's this kind of idea of self-fulfillment like he actually once he embraces that Mm -hmm. once Christopher is gone and perhaps Christopher in many ways was killed because of the impact the negative impact that he had on Tony the kind of detriment that he had to Tony's existence be it the fact that he could have ratted him out to the FBI like Tony says in the therapy session um the fact that he was embarrassing him through Cleaver, the fact that he was kind of showing his resentment towards Tony, the fact that it was the biggest blunder of his career, that he didn't turn out to be the reliable kind of right-hand person that he had envisioned. Um, I think there's there's a lot Yeah. There. I don't know. I think, like, this is an important counterpart to, obviously, like, the Cosa Mesa adventure definitely because i think this is we even have like repeats of some questions right like he asks christopher's friend someone <laughs> who's christopher's friend the woman that is christopher's friend oh that Chris- christopher's friend yeah yeah i know you're talking about. um i don't know if we know her name <laughs> we might not know her name probably in the credits yeah. but um yeah he even says to her like why am i here and she's kind of like, well, what do you mean? Is like she, he's, she's like, that's what this journey is for. That's what like the peyote is for, basically, right? And he's like, no, I mean Vegas. But that's those are the type of questions like, who am I? Where am I going? Uh, why am I here? That we got back in his coma, right? And so I think like for me, I don't know if it's necessarily like, uh, I, I like, oh. Well, I do agree with you that it is this kind of like coming to terms with being evil and kind of like embracing it on one hand. But I I also don't. But I okay. Well, I just said that I don't (laughs) think that it's this. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, But I think it's this like like this is where he's supposed to be. This is who he's supposed to be. And so like I don't know if it's necessarily like embracing like I'm an evil dude, but I think it's like this is who I am. Like, this is me, Tony Soprano, and these are the things that I do Definitely. in this world. And, you know, like, seeing the beacon again in that, you know, sun flare or whatever. Um, or that, you know, electric light on the ceiling. Like, he's closer and closer to knowing who who is he and where is he going. And this is kind of it. This is kind of like the... Uh, pinnacle of it in some ways right like he's back to winning he's back to himself right which is this you know shitty guy right 
And maybe even like more of an amped up shitty guy than he's ever been before. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, but he yeah. does say like, I don't know, like, I think like that's a little bit false in some ways too, because like he does like at multiple times this episode, like in both the false Melfi session mm-hmm. and the real Melfi session, he's like, I've murdered people, my cousin, uh, puss, right? Like, and then later on. But this is different because this isn't particularly for a reason. Like, I think that it is like the next level. And I think that he only mm. reaches this acceptance when he does choose to kill Christopher because it's different. Mm. Like with Pussy, he was ratting him out. Like that was mm-hmm. the action that that would lead towards. With Tony Blundetto, it was required to make peace with New York. Yeah. For this, it was very kind of indirect. It's very abstract. It's very ambiguous. And the fact that he maybe embraces that, chose to do it, and accepts it, and yeah. actually says he's dead. And realizes that he's winning from it is the ultimate evolution of Tony's character because it does go one step but it's, further. But it's all how it serves Tony, right? Like you, even like you're you're kind of like I mean, like we become part of this world by watching this show. But like, you know, you don't have to kill someone who's working with the FBI, right? Like that's not like <laughs> you know, like that's not like a, a must. You don't have to kill your cousin. Like it's all to protect Tony and preserve who he his power and his money and his right. ability to like live this life that he's living. Right. So it like, and we see in this episode, like Christopher's death is also all about him. And it's just like that much clearer, right? Definitely. Like we don't question him killing pussy, right? Like that's kind of what I'm saying. Like we were like, Oh, that makes sense. Like, sh- of course he would kill his friend. Like, Totally. Or like, yeah, like he definitely kills cousins. Like that makes sense. This one does feel like it's more like, well, what the fuck is he doing? But all of these things have always been all about Tony and all about like getting what he needs. Totally. Right. So like, it just like, it just kind of like solidifies again, like the show's genius is making us love this guy who is a bad guy. And we were kind of like fooled into it. Right? You're kind of like, oh, that makes sense. Poor guy. He had to kill his cousin and his best friend. Right. And here we don't have that same level of, like, I don't know, empathy or whatever anymore for him. And I think that's the point because I think Mm -hmm. it's escalated. Mm -hmm. Like, on all grounds. Like, that's what I'm I'm saying is I don't think it has escalated. I think it has. So -hmm. so that's an interesting point. But I I think it has. Like, I think that I, I hear what you're saying, but it was less necessary to kill Christopher than those other people that were threatening him. It's still awful, but, like, it's always been awful. Yeah. And we should have recognized that from the first episode. It was we're, very We're clear. saying the same thing, but... <laughs> disagreeing. But, but disagreeing about it, yeah. But also in terms of it all being about Tony, like, you're right. Like, yeah. these are things that have been happening the whole show, but it's becoming more and more egregious. So it's harder to kind of condone it it's harder to kind of again i don't know what makes it more egregious it's just like it all depends on your point of view so yeah sure that that's sure definitely the show doesn't give you these reasons to like be empathetic like i was saying right but like if you think about right okay like his his reasons for killing christopher even though he doesn't say them that way right like it all does come back to him like he was legitimately like worried for how his child was going to grow up or slash, you know, die in a car crash well, with. He maybe That might be a convenient I don't know, excuse. Like the, the fo- it might just be I don't know. Him. The focus, but the focus on the car seat mm-hmm. 
for me, like, is this kind of... But maybe he recognizes that as a possible manipulation to get people... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, he that's does, possible. He does keep on bringing it up, right? Like, he, even to the person he's sitting next to mm-hmm, in the funeral. And, mm-hmm. like, I think it's because he recognizes the pot like, how strong that is as a symbol of Christopher needed to die. Because mm-hmm. other people could recognize that it's about this baby. That is, mm-hmm. we can be more empathetic towards that than the way that it would impact Tony. Which I think... Mm-hmm in many ways is the only reason why he actually was concerned about Christopher mm-hmm. continuing to live. Well, I think like, again, that's, I think the point it plays with our notions of like, when is something justified and when isn't it? And why has he been doing these things all along? Right? Like, like I said, like there isn't a justification and you can justify it and say like, I had this dream that pussy was working with the FBI, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, but that's like as ridiculous. Right, but right, but I mean, I guess he was right. By the time they killed him, they, yeah, and they maybe knew. and maybe he was right to kill Christopher. I don't know. Like, if you want to play right. it that way, like maybe he was right that, it isn't that as the, immediate. the it kid isn't would as have died. Direct. Right. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not like I'm not saying this is what I believe. I'm saying like that's what I think the show is like helping us to play with. Yeah, I think it just it has escalated because even in the way that it's all about. <laughs> we're okay, you agree? It's escalated. Yeah, I totally agree. Right. <laughs> um, what we're seeing too with um, Tony as a narcissist too mm. is just so extreme. Yeah. At this point, and I think that it is about this like character evolution. And I think that's something that's really important that happens in this episode. Because in some ways, I feel like this is the zenith of the whole show. Like, mm-hmm. he reaches his ultimate state. Yes. Um, but he's completely unable to show... Is it zenith or zenith? I don't know. Maybe that depends where you're from. I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, the, the thing that actually frustrates him and makes him want to leave New Jersey is being unable to empathize with these people who are hurting bad, mm-hmm. as he says. And it's actually more of seemingly an annoyance than anything totally else. which is all about him there's really nothing that has to do yeah. with christopher the loss what it means no, to other people yeah. he's basically just annoyed yeah because he's completely incapable of feeling anything yeah it. although christopher's friend again unclear <laughs> i don't know her name tony's friend now too also tony's <laughs> friend um she identifies like she's like you know Christopher used to come and tell me some sad stuff, but, like, you look actually sad. Yeah. Right? And so the fact that, like, yeah, he, like, can't feel these real emotions, but clearly there's, like, something very deep and disturbing going on inside him. Right. um, That he covers up is, you know, is part of the problem. The other, like, the other death that is brought up in this episode is of course Adriana, right? They, right. they they talk about that, right? And again, like we have this justification about why Tony would have had to do that, right? Even is it in the Melfi session he's talking about it also? He's talking about um like I was with oh, oh yeah, he was, he was like I was with Christopher through his hardest struggle or something like that. I think I wrote it down somewhere. Right. Um Yeah, I can't I can't struggle. find it his greatest struggle. <laughs> Um, I can't really find it in my notes. Um, and then, you know, and again, like that was to protect Tony. That wasn't for any, for anything else. Right. Right. Um, and he's the one who like, well, I guess he didn't cause Christopher's greatest struggle or whoever it was put, you know, Adriana working with the feds 
quote unquote caused it. Right. But, you know, again, we have the justification for something unjustifiable. Right. I don't know. Totally. I think that in the end, for me, there's also something about that last moment, him seeing the sun flare, which obviously is a reference to the beacon. There's another reference of the car passing by after Christopher dies, Mm -hmm. obviously linking us to Costa Mesa, linking us to the Eiffel Tower for Carmela. These questions of existence, uh, Mm -hmm. life, afterlife, why am I here? And there's something just about, I think, Tony, his, what seems to be happiness in his acceptance of this, mm. him being on top, Christopher being dead, maybe him realizing why he's there is just for self-fulfillment. Because as he receives these material rewards of these chips and just betting and having his friend killed and killing his friend for his own purposes, in some ways that is his reason for being there. And he gets it and he accepts it. Yeah. And he accept and that's why like I was talking about it very poorly at the beginning, but like that focus on Actually, like, the devil, this, like, clear shot on the devil. Mm-hmm. Also Pompeii in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, this... There's there's just, like, there's some interesting imagery mm-hmm. that's, that's happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is... Uh, yeah, I think there's something about, in the end, like, him getting who he is, what his impact is in some ways. Or maybe not even caring about his impact, just getting that he's there for himself and that, yeah. and that he's out for self-fulfillment. And it's interesting, like... You know, often we, I mean, throughout this show, of course, we deal with Tony and therapy too, right? And like, what's the point of therapy? Usually it is this like self-discovery of who am I and why am I here, right? But Tony doesn't get that from therapy. He gets it from, you know, well, this peyote trip, but like, you know, from living this life where he can, um, uh, where he realizes that like, to be on top, he has he is his true his true self, which is someone who like doesn't like is annoyed by other people's pain, right. and you know, and that's not like a socially acceptable thing. Killing people is also not socially acceptable, right? But like this is who he is, and like and and now yeah. like he kind of like gets it, like he gets yeah. why he's here, right? Yeah, it's not like a really positive. It's not like an outcome that we'd like to see of someone in therapy, right? Like yeah, I get why I'm here. It's like to be, you know, to be this terrible person and do terrible things. Right. But that's how I end up on top. And that's like, for me, that's... Right. And beneficial. that's what's important. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that like, it's been laid out for us pretty clearly from the very beginning of the show, who Tony Soprano is. And we've had to wrestle with coming to grips with him as a bad person. Yeah. And I think that many viewers you empathize with him because he's like the original anti-hero of tv mm-hmm. and it's for some reason difficult to see him in this negative light even though it's mm-hmm. laid out so clearly for us and we have to kind of come to this realization mm-hmm. of getting it of what he really is mm-hmm. and the impact he has on others and i think that that last scene is the moment where tony gets there for himself mm-hmm. um which i think is really pivotal because he's lying to himself for the whole series up yeah. until that point. Yep. There is a certain degree of acceptance. And I think that therapy, it's interesting to think about maybe how it led him there or it didn't mm-hmm. lead him there. Because in many ways, I feel like therapy basically was a way for him to hone his manipulations. Yeah. 
But again, I think we mentioned this actually last episode. I forget exactly in what context we were talking about it, but like therapy is narcissistic, right? Like therapy is all about Tony. Right. That's like, you know, like you really don't go to therapy. I think I even said this last last episode or whenever we did this. Like it, that was also all about him. He just wasn't able to, like he was able to in his dream, to actually talk about the real shit that he does to actually talk about himself right like in his dream he was able to say like i've murdered people my best friend my cousin whatever right uh friends and family or however he says it um like that's not gonna work for tony right he can't be honest when he's out there on peyote and he is like his true mob self um he's at least honest yeah about it right like that's who he is well and there's also that aspect of when he's talking about that in his dream saying i've murdered relatives friends before but this and then we cut out of it Mm -hmm. and it's for me the implication is that he feels nothing from this Mm. that was kind of how i interpreted it because he's saying like i've murdered friends and and relatives and it's been difficult but this like i don't feel anything like Mm. it's become easier like as time has gone on he's accepted that part of himself Mm. And we cut away, so you can't definitively say right. that. But that was my interpretation of it. Yeah. There's also something that I think is really important to think about that I was only kind of thinking about, and is kind of like a new reading of this season for me, as of this viewing, is there's this funny thing that's going on in 6B up until this point with multiple instances where we're led to believe that Tony actually might kill one of his friends. We're led to believe that he might kill Bobby Bacala after Bobby hits him and beats him in a fight. Uh, And we're also led to believe that he's going to kill Polly for his loose lips and when he takes him out on the boat. Yeah. Um, And there's kind of, yeah, like there's an increasing sense of like meaninglessness to why he would kill somebody. Yeah. So he ultimately acts on it. With Christopher. But I think that's one of the things where, upon first viewings, Christopher seems to come out of nowhere. But it's actually the third instance where we're teased with this idea of him killing somebody that we've come to love in this inner circle. And I think that that's also really relevant because I think Tony is increasingly out of control or maybe in control. Because I think that the, the central question here is this this idea of of control. And I think that... Another plot point that happens recently is this idea of Tony struggling with gambling. And it's something that seemingly kind of came out of nowhere and people criticize. But I think that Tony is actually trying to maybe take himself out of his existence because he's bored kind of with Mm -hmm. the status quo. And he's trying to lose control in Mm -hmm. some ways. Like I think he's actively gambling to lose control Mm -hmm. because he is in control of his basic existence. But it's not answering any of his life questions it's not affirming why he's here yeah well ever since his coma right he's been like like seeing him sleep with christopher's friend in this episode is i think maybe like one of the first times we actually see him having sex with someone after he told carmella he's not going to do that anymore right we've seen with the stripper in the car and he's suggesting it at the bada bing yes but that one doesn't go through like there's we we haven't really seen that since um, since 
Costa Mesa. There's also the fact that it's Christopher's friend. So it's early. Totally. Like, whatever. So and like, we know, like, there's that aspect the Adriana of Adriana. Thing exactly. And, yeah. So it's actually, like, acting on that thing that didn't happen. Actually, like, engaging in yes. that behavior. Yes. That... Yeah. didn't actually happen people thought of but now yeah. he's actually like owning it and doing it yeah right well, after and, Christopher and with died Ju- and with Juliana Juliana yeah, Juliana, Juliana. Mm-hmm. Skiffle <laughs> <laughs> um, coming back this episode too right we're also reminded of that like the ways in which Tony was I don't know jealous or I don't know like just Controlling, like kind of just like consuming everyone around him and everyone who he encounters um, and taking things for himself. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that, that that aspect of control is important, though, because Tony is choosing to get rid of Christopher. Mm-hmm. Tony is also in a position, too, interestingly, where he is out of control more than he has been at other times mm. and he is kind of like putting on this front because Phil Leotardo is clearly in the driver's seat right now in this skirmish yes. that they have that's kind of playing out in the background even one of the last scenes um, it's uh, Tony saying this is me hanging up and then immediately after Phil yeah. hangs up so the, we've talked about the kind of like dogma film style when Tony went to go meet Phil just generally in this asbestos um argument that they're having Tony is completely out of control yeah and so maybe he's asserting himself in these ways to feel like he is in control in other ways of his life be it gambling be it murdering Christopher he's trying to give himself power because he's in a position of powerlessness yeah and I think that that's an important dimension to Mm -hmm. what's happening throughout Mm -hmm. season 6b well I think like and like you know even like regarding the asbestos right like it's like at the end, once he's like, you know, whatever, like come to terms with who he is kind of thing, he dumps, he makes the call. I mean, I imagine he makes the call uh-huh. anyways. I don't, you know, to dump the asbestos into the river, right? right. Which is like a shitty thing to do. Like beyond shitty. <laughs> um, like it's already shitty to like poorly dispose of asbestos. But like, you know, like he makes that choice, like to just like not even give a fuck. Like, not a single fuck. And you hear those ducks in the background, right? Like, and they're kind of like, you know, like, it's reminding you of, you know, again, like, we've seen ducks associated with, like, his family and these, you know, um... Well, he's, yeah, he's telling this family of ducks that could be, you know, like, related to other people's family. Because... There's all these instances of the asbestos clearly having impacts on others. That and kid for, eating his food. Yeah, the and... first thing we have is the kid saying, what's that? And then he's told that he's basically eating the asbestos. So yeah. there's also like while the asbestos is being stored, we can see in the background, it's at East this... Halladen Middle School. But there's this... Yeah, and there's this dust like flying off of it. Right? But it ties into the themes that we've been talking about because throughout the episode, Tony is completely only concerned with the asbestos as a matter of... A power play yeah. and how it affects him and how it affects him financially and the 25% and how, what it would mean to stand up to Phil and what it would mean to exert what it would mean to accept his original offer but there's no thought about how it impacts other people which completely ties into Tony as this like incredible narcissist who is completely unempathetic yeah. and is just concerned about himself yeah I think too like this aspect of control the last thing is there's this the last thing well just like on that theme because Mm -hmm. I think there is this kind of reading of what's going on that's a little bit different 
Um, there's also the song playing as Christopher and Tony drive off the road playing, which is comfortably numb, which also was being sung by Christopher recently. And by was Tony. That, by Tony. And something that we talked about, like this comfortably numb state that the actor, that the characters are all in. I think, and then we also talked about like AJ kind of like flipping through the channels, kind of like what mm. he was viewing, how he was kind of in this malaise, kind of numb in his existence, something that Tony has definitely had throughout his existence that we've seen in the show. And it's it's relevant that that song is referenced multiple times and comes back at this extremely key moment. I think that... On the Departed soundtrack. On the Departed soundtrack. I think that Tony is comfortably numb in his existence. Mm-hmm. And there is that like that aspect of him breaking out of that by trying to take control but be it killing christopher like by diverting things Mm. by by getting rid of him or like this gambling thing as Mm. well like i think that that in some ways is where it's coming from like that's him just trying to deal with his existence Mm -hmm. he's not answering the big questions at that point that he's been wrestling with throughout the entire series and that we should be wrestling with if we've been viewing the show kind of underneath the surface but i think that that dimension of control is really relevant to him just trying to break out of this meaningless life this big nothing that we've been kind of talking right. about for the entire series right we have like when he and christopher are in the car right like before the accident they're having this discussion right like they're talking about how like each day's a gift and like yeah. both of them feel Stop that and way smell the roses right phil's not on that page right, right. So, like, I feel like Christopher is kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, like, it's like this, like, we're alike, like, you and I are alike, and we feel things, and, like, throughout this whole episode, like, Tony's, like, you know, people are asking him how he's doing, like, imagining that he's feeling sad like them, and they don't, they can't really see yet, like us, kind of, we've been a little bit, like, blind to it, right, like, the other characters in the show also can't really believe that he's actually this terrible guy. They think he is right. sad about Christopher's death. Right. They don't think that he might have killed him. Right? right. They like believe this story, right? Well, there's also like for me like the complete evolution of Tony as a manipulator too. Mm-hmm. And thinking about therapy as a tool to kind of sharpen mm-hmm. his instincts mm-hmm. of manipulation. Like this is his like greatest achievement is basically knowing that he can get away with killing Christopher and nobody will know because he just plays it perfectly. Right. Even when he's he's meeting with everyone, you know, he talks about the official cause of death, death was asphyxiation. I can't talk right now. Yeah. Asphyxiation. They're going to do a blood test for drugs knowing that he will register positive for drugs. Yeah. So he's kind of like shifting the focus in a way that will protect himself. Yeah. And actually in those moments too, he's talking about like how he bumped his knee, the one from high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's all about him. Like it is he he deals with this tragedy in terms that only are impacting himself. I wrote down the knee thing too. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know. I can't quite piece it together with like, for example, like the test stream. Um is that test dream? When does yeah. it, it, when he has the dream about his yeah, and high school? Yeah, he goes school. down into the basement yeah. and talks to his coach. Um, like I, I can't quite tie together kind of like the development of this episode because like there is something about this knee injury, right? Like, and that was like 
in high school. Yeah. And with football, having this knee injury that kind of like changed the trajectory of his life. Right. Right. So this this knee and like this like re injury of that mm. high school injury mm. is something like it's this kind of like demarcation of a turn of some sort. I don't know. I can't quite like I said. I can't quite piece it together. But I put a little star beside it because I felt like that was. I mean, that's obviously purposely calling our attention back to what we know about Tony before he was Tony Soprano when he was in high school, when he had this kind of like other potential, you know, patio salesman kind of life. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe it's like a further retreat from mm-hmm. that. Like it is, it's like this next inevitable mm-hmm. like change to, or yeah, something. or like yeah. injury to that possible yeah. development for Tony Soprano yeah. as a better person. It's also just kind of bookending the whole show. Like I can, th- I'm hearing in my head the voiceover in episode one in the pilot where he's talking about how Junior's talking about him never being a varsity athlete was mm-hmm. a terrible blow to his self esteem. Mm. Um, we are just kind of linking things back to Tony Soprano as the protagonist of this show, as our main focal point, dealing with his concerns, dealing with his dreams, and how ultimately that's all that really matters when mm-hmm. we're kind of viewing things through his eyes. Mm-hmm. There's also something in this episode for me that there's like a lot of characters that we've never seen before, mm. too. And I, I, I'm not going to be able to like be eloquent enough about this, but like... There's just, it, it's noticeable. And so it just like feels important that like there's this, like when he's lying in his room after the injury, there's like a guy in there who we've never seen before. The one who keeps bringing up Carlos coming or whatever, like is Carlos on his way up or whatever? Like, um, oh, we don't, and we don't know who that guy is. There's this guy who like nods to Tony at the funeral when Carmela is about right. to go up and see Christopher. Those might be people and we're just like upon I don't know. coming and talking immediately after missing something. I, I mean, that's Some also... Some deep Sopranos trivia. That's, I mean, definitely. And like, <laughs> that's not the stuff that like I pay attention to, right. to be really honest with you. Yeah. But like... They're not But that one, like, the, the scene of like this guy nodding to Tony at the funeral, like right. that's not someone we're familiar with. So like for me that like there is something... It's like, it shows us kind of like how, I don't know, like how Tony, I don't know, like for Tony's lack of, of yeah. like caring for, like nobody's important to Tony, Exactly, like right? how like, peripheral all these people yeah. around Tony are. Yeah. 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 And same Absolutely. with like, you know, him calling Alan the guy in Vegas, right? Like, like right. he knows this guy, Alan, who has rooms on a plane, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> Even like, you know, Kennedy and Heidi, who the episode's named after. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah. Those are obviously new characters. Sure. But the, it's yeah. like, it's also just like these really peripheral characters who are, you know, we, we can imagine or we know how they're impacted by Tony Soprano. Right. I don't know. There's, There's also... something, I, I can't quite figure it out. The, yeah. the three to five, seven to nine woman mm. who never misses a wake. <laughs> a lot of you were yeah well you were bringing up something interesting that I won't take from you but I liked it would you like to fill me in on your interesting <laughs> perception well I just think that it's I I like this episode a lot I think because it's a very Lynchian episode I yeah. think there's a lot like the we have a lot of driving scenes looking out the looking at the road looking at the road we have these like the, like the light when he's the looking up at the sound. light Thank yeah. you for just like 
say I just really like things. David Lynch. So. Yes. Um, even even like kind of like the silliness of the drug induced kind of like when Tony's like rolling on the floor laughing like there's just something and we like get the close ups of like the dealer not well I don't know is it a dealer in roulette? Great question. Um, yeah. The, the, the staff member the staff who, member. you know. That's, 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 like, um, yes, that's He safe. kind of has this, like, very deadpan face, and Tony's, like, laughing hysterically mm-hmm. and rolling on the floor. Um, and then I feel like, like, I don't know, that this character of three to five, seven to nine. Yeah, like, I feel it's like, just, like it was feels like a, maybe the third season, but I can't remember. Yeah, sure. there's, like, these characters with names like that that are... Maybe it was one of the movies. Anyway, but yeah, somebody who only shows up in the credits and is listed yeah. as five to seven or something. Yeah. Anyways, I can't remember. Um... Yeah. And same with kind of like these random characters. Or even like, you know, Kelly showing up kind of like looking like like Tony comments like it's like in the movies. She's like Jackie Kennedy. Right. Um, these kind of like, I don't know, over dramatic or something like that moments. Anyways, I, that's why I like this episode. Yeah, me too. Well, I'm... Lots of lots of reasons. Um, um, staying on the like, but that, like so, so yeah. Go no, but the one, the other, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about, just like as we're talking about Tony, because this whole like shift towards, um, like him having been losing at gambling, right, mm-hmm. like quite significantly in past episodes, um, he still is losing at roulette yeah. after Christopher dies, right? Like, yeah, when he gets to Vegas, we yeah. have focus on roulette, and Tony is losing. He's yeah, losing all his. He's hands still losing, and he seems to kind of like be. Like, it doesn't really bother him. He's also, like, kind of numb to that in that scenario. Like, he's kind of just like, huh, you know? But like, there's a change that happens after that. That's yeah. interesting. And I think in some ways maybe that's him getting with Christopher's friend. Like, right. it is him acting on these worse impulses. Right. It's only after we revisit the casino and we have that focus on the devil that comes up as, like, this close-up and shows importance that things actually have changed. And it's right. linked to that scene of him getting it. So I think there is this transformation for him, and that's why he starts to win. Yeah. Um, but I al- think that is very yeah. relevant. Yeah. There's also this transformation of AJ in this episode, but he kind of like comes to a different place, right? Yeah. Like, so we see that AJ now has been like hanging with the Jasons, although also in therapy and taking medication. Right. And. You know, in our first scene, we have him with his therapist. Um, we have him kind of like being excited about classes and being, you know, like talking about the Israeli-Palestine conflict. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, we see his li- like his life isn't all just like roses, right? Like he's definitely like up to some bad shit with the Jasons and laughing about people's toes getting burnt off with acid. Right. Um, but then he comes like after he sees, right. you know, that the man on the bike getting beaten by yeah. the Jasons, Jasons. <laughs> by Jasons. Um, he he makes this like complete shift back to like who we really know AJ to be. Also, right? right. Like that's an interesting and, scene. And he says like people walk around like this is all something. Right. Right. Um, and Reverting like to that nihilism. That yeah. And you'd have to be nuts not to be depressed, right? You'd have to have your head, your head so, so far up your ass you'd only yeah. see yourself, which I think is really yeah. relevant because that idea of you would have to only see yourself as how you could deal with this insanity, which is happening after he's found himself in a situation that was set up by his dad. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's what's really interesting. Yeah. His dad put him down this path by getting the Jasons to befriend him. To invite him, yeah. And he is entering the domain of Tony. He's basically, in, like, fulfilling the kind of inevitability of reliving Tony's life by getting involved with these gangsters. Totally. And once he sees these things, he's saying the only way you could live with this is by being such a narcissist that yeah. you can only see yourself, which is yeah. exactly what Tony is. Yeah. I think and that lots that's of really... Char- and lots of characters yeah. are like that. Yeah, I mean, almost yeah. all of them, basically. Yeah. And AJ is complicated mm-hmm. in this interesting way. And I think that that's something that he doesn't get credit for on early viewings, at least for myself and mm-hmm. from people I've talked to. Like, mm-hmm. he comes across as this kind of brat, but he's actually maybe one of the only characters who struggles with these questions. Right. And, and who doesn't just, like, embrace the narcissism. Maybe actually there is this positive lining yeah. to he could break out of it. Whereas Meadow, on the other hand... <laughs> She's going to be a doctor now. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's, you know, she has blinders on and she's, you know, pretty well, full. Well, we'll see where she ends up full very of soon. Um, awesome. Actually, interestingly, another parallel, I mentioned this, but um, AJ switching the stations in this mm. season just earlier and this kind of malaise and this mm-hmm. question of existence and not being able to focus on anything. That's exactly what Christopher's doing right before he dies. Right. He's like he's flipping around. Flipping the, through the yeah. stations before they get to comfortably numb. Yeah. And I think that, and like, check it out. Like that's huge because that's check what, it. well, that's what Tony was singing as he comes down the stairs. Yeah. And we have the, those, it's in that episode. We have mm-hmm. those scenes with AJ flipping. We have Christopher flipping that comfortably numb, for something to be revisited twice, I think, is very relevant. Yeah. And there is that aspect of just kind of flipping through the channels, not being able to focus, not being settled, not being confident in what you are, what you want. Yeah. Well, we, these, we yeah. have seen, I mean, we've seen AJ and Christopher obviously been compared, being compared in past episodes, if yeah. not like the whole show, basically, right? Like this reference to being like a son um all you know like aj being his actual son christopher kind of being like his mob son right right um the only difference being like christopher being that much older had fewer options you know like aj kind of has right like fewer options kind of like to escape that right and so we kind of see like the two sides of the coin like we see two people who do feel very deeply and how they kind of cope with it within their situations one of them being like not you know you know not in the mob and one of them being yes in the mob yeah i don't know no absolutely what do you make of the title kennedy and heidi and these two bit characters who we have kennedy and heidi showing up what do you make of it (laughs) well let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) um i think it plays into this theme in the in the episode of the impact that people have by not doing the right thing by looking out for themselves like ultimately kennedy and heidi mm-hmm. are in, part, in some ways responsible for this whole kind of like line of events that happen kennedy is can is it i thought it was heidi was on her learner's permit yeah <laughs> maybe i don't know I anyway um well i mean i guess i mean christopher was high so he's responsible yeah but if they had gone and checked, would things turn out differently, right? Like, that would be the right thing to do. But I think it's Heidi, you think it's Kennedy, mm-hmm. is looking out for herself because she's on her learner's permit after dark. There's this, like, 
small impact that the right action would have on yourself that people don't do because it's hard. Yeah. And I think that that's what's happening throughout the whole show. That's ultimately who Tony is. In mm-hmm. some ways, it almost like leads into Tony's big I get it moment, his realization about w- who and what he is. Mm-hmm. It's this small role, but it's like it's that philosophy that guides everybody yeah. in Soprano. Sure. World. Well, everybody really in the world. I mean, like, it's just like it's very human to right. look out for. Right. But the impact is huge. The impact is huge. I mean, you know, you have the first scene as this asbestos, this kid eating it, not Mm -hmm. even knowing what it is. You're impacting people that don't even know that they're being impacted. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't know that you're impacting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's also like, and I don't quite know how this fits, but like we also have references to like with AJ and Christopher in particular, like these material things. mm -hmm. Right. So like there's that kind of like, there's this scene where AJ is in this English class, yeah. which like happens very quickly. I used to teach university and like, you definitely know in that class that one of the people in there was not one of your students. I don't, I'm not sure how she like did not <laughs> notice that he's not on her roster, but um, <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but they're talking about like, um, I forget exactly that what, what's said, but it's like, you know, Oh, I should have written down the whole quote. Hmm. Like, what is it? Like, it's something about the material world. Like, why this criticism of the material world? And then, like, I think it's maybe the next scene or, like, you know, quite close afterwards um, when Tony's with Christopher's friend that I really wish I knew her name. (laughs) um, She's saying, like, you know, it's not great. Like, maybe it's not good that he left her, but at least he left something, right? Mm. So it's kind of this, like, like, what do you leave behind when right. you when you die, right? Like, what is there? And I think Christopher and AJ both think about those things. I don't think, like, Tony really thinks about, like, once he's gone, he's gone. He's a narcissist, right? right. Like, and it's like, you know, like, the world will fail to exist without him there, which is interesting in interesting. terms of... You know, <laughs> some, some things that go on right. in the show that, could um, happen. <laughs> that might happen in the show. But like, you know, this like uh, that, like not all characters are are like that anyways. Yeah. I don't know. No, absolutely. I can't. I, again, it's like find this like with doing this podcast. That's really challenging is like it takes me a lot longer to kind of digest information definitely and, and be able to be eloquent so it's hard hopefully those of you who listen to this <laughs> no, <laughs> no um, are, just, are maybe like even though i can't quite say things eloquently maybe it's giving you some ideas to think about <laughs> or you can come up with something and please let me know yeah yeah no absolutely i mean at the end of the day we're just two people <laughs> talking about <laughs> sopranos after it's over mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a it's a good challenge, but we enjoy mm-hmm. it. There's yeah. there's lots there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's all these kind of moments that I think are rather pivotal that come up. What about Tony saying to Carmela, "When I said he's dead, I picked up relief." Well, um, I think Tony's I think Tony's looking for other people to be to feel like him. Exactly. Right? Like he's like Finding looking <laughs> I see it's funny like when I ask questions, yeah. I actually like mean it like a question. When <laughs> when you ask questions, I think it's just so you can tell me what you think. So. No, I don't know what you think, but <laughs> you just said what I thought. <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, like he's talking about, like, he has to, like, put on this long face and say the platitudes, and he really doesn't feel anything, right? Right. Um, and he's looking for someone else to kind of, like, be like him. Um, and even Carmela, who, you know, isn't the greatest character, you know, most moral character. Right. Um, you know, we see her and we see Kelly you know, scream when they yeah. find out that Christopher's dead and have these, like, very visceral... And, and Christopher's mom. And, you know, like, we we see this way that things really impact them. Even Christopher's friend. Friend. <laughs> um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even, like, coming out of... I mean, even, like, Christopher's mom, like, going to drink is more real than what Tony has. Mm-hmm. And Tony is kind of playing it off like we've come out of this dream where we actually have this very useful window into what he's actually mm-hmm. feeling. Did I say Tony? Yes. Okay, good. That's right. I got scared. I said something different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, saying this pain I'm not used to, he died in my arms, and then saying, actually, it's a relief. And having all these pragmatic reasons, like it's a drag on his emotions, he yeah. could dime him out to the FBI, it's the biggest blunder of his career. It was the biggest blunder of his career, yeah. Career. yeah. Um, he's covering, like it is this this false narrative mm-hmm. that he cares and that it is painful. And yeah, he's. I, it is interesting to like see him kind of pin that on Carmelo, which is just like completely false. Like that is Tony and that is Tony's mm-hmm. issue. Um, I do think also like Christopher clearly is high when he's driving. Mm-hmm. I think like it's not stated, but from why watching is he looking at his watch? That's what I like when because when they're at maybe the he's meeting, trying to see if it's three o'clock. um maybe it maybe it is um yeah like when they're standing there by the statue of liberty Mm -hmm. unknown where exactly perhaps on the new york city side south street seaport maybe or by battery park it feels like they're by on the battery park side (laughs) but they could be like on the jersey on a jersey side of it too it's unclear right i don't know why it does kind of look like that at battery park it does just there the other day yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) looks like that Hmm. Um, but he's looking at his watch a lot during mm-hmm. that, and so you're like that threw me off a little bit because like I don't know like what like okay like say he like wanted to do drugs I don't know like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't <laughs> better make feel, sure it's time to do drugs yeah like it doesn't feel there's something about that well there that, is I mean this like this focus on death happening at certain times yeah. too and this this three o'clock thing that's three to five before. seven to nine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, going way back with the, uh, you know, with the, the dreams dream. that yeah. Christopher had, like it is, could kind of like yeah. play into the Sopranos mythology that's kind of been developed. That's kind of, yeah, what I was thinking. Uh, that is a possible reading. I don't know if that's actually. I don't know. I just can't quite figure out why he would be looking at the clock during I, that meeting. I just think it, yeah, like for sure. Otherwise. And maybe we don't know. We'll never know. Who knows what he's going to. But um, I do think even though it's Can not I said explicitly, e- just the way. Email Michael Imperioli and ask him. <laughs> I do think that. Or maybe you should email Matt Wiener and David Chase. Hmm. Let's just email them. I'm sure mm-hmm. they'll get back to they'll us. They'll get back to us. Um, but I think the way that Michael Imperioli is acting and the way that we see him and the way that his eyes look, like I think he definitely is high at that moment. So his character has also evolved to a point that seems rather hopeless. Yeah. And Tony recognizes it because there is yeah. that moment where he looks at him and he sees him and he kind of pauses. And I think that he knows what's going on and that it's hopeless. And I think that also plays into why he kills him. Yeah. And again, like we've started off this episode talking about, like, 
is that not as justifiable or like not justifiable but like in some ways that's like a less selfish way like a less selfish reason to kill somebody right to like almost like put someone out of their misery Mm. but is it about their misery or is it about his misery yeah or is it about the kid's misery but i feel like it's not I, I feel like it's an excuse, but that's my reading. I know. No, no, I, I think like all are possible. I think all readings are possible. I think yeah. that's the beautiful thing. And ultimately, yeah. there's so much ambiguity in the show, you can never know. Yeah. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. It's not about a reading. It's no, about no, I know. the fact that they all could exist. Yep. And that the answer isn't given to us. Yep. I think that's the important yep. part. Um, it's interesting how we have this dream sequence where Tony is in therapy and then we have an mm-hmm. actual sequence. It's because for me... That does give a lot of insight into Tony's character to see what he's actually feeling and then how he acts in a identical situation. Yeah. So the, the disconnect between... And it's actually like closer than it ever has been before in some ways too. Like Except the emotions are completely different. He comes out with anger, right? Yeah. Like he, he basically says the same things, although protects himself. So we yeah. can see how he basically... Yeah, he's seen friends die before. Yeah. But it comes out he's... It's kind of covered up in anger. Um, I don't know, though. Then he, like, he like he's, like, you know, like, I feel like I'm putting on this show. Gotta have the long face and the platitudes. And right. Gotta sit I don't there with feel people anything. hurting bad. Feeling, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's, like, some of the most honest we see him. It is, actually. I agree. That, that concept of people are hurting bad and I feel like a hypocrite, which makes me mad at them. Mm-hmm. That's a really key yeah. idea. And also shows just completely how he lacks empathy. Yeah. Um, you're right. I think he is actually being very honest yeah. at that moment. I think, yeah, the fact that he could be mad at others for their pain because mm-hmm. he doesn't feel it is... I can't think of anything more narcissistic than that mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the idea that he can't take it anymore. And the thing that he can't take is people's emotions. Yeah. And so it's this is what he gets in the yeah. end. He gets it. Yeah. Like that this is who he is and that he doesn't exist on that kind of yeah. plane. And that he accepts it. And that he actually wins when yeah. he doesn't when he doesn't live yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, I think like also like kind of like the underlying thing, and I was just thinking about this, is like I feel like I don't know, like we see him like when he makes the decision to call Alan and go to Vegas. He's like undressing. Alan. He has like. <laughs> I like how Alan's like our character. We don't know Christopher's friends. No, I know. We know but about Alan. Alan. <laughs> He's a plane. Um, they have shrimp cocktails. That's like a sweet flight. I'd like to take that flight with that big that would be shrimp great. cocktail. I would love to do that too. Um, but uh, I gotta call Alan. But he's taking off like a dress shirt and maybe. Maybe it's directly after when he comes home from the wakes. But I, for me, like, and that's what I kind of think it is. I mean, at least like we don't really have a good sense of the timeline. But what it does show me is that he's skipped out on the funerals of Christopher and of Polly's mom. Polly's aunt. Mm. Like he just bailed, you know, whereas and again, like not being able to deal with other people's emotions. Like you have to imagine that those things are still going on without him back in Jersey. Mm, interesting. Um, right. Because a wake is usually like before a oh, funeral. Oh, very interesting. I didn't think about that. I actually didn't. Re- I thought and that, that would were kind be of and like and there's this focus the on yeah. like like Carmela signing the funeral books at both places right. and like them being like 
like that it was important that they were there for Polly, right? Like he was like, well, we're here for you, you know, like we're here for you. And same with. You and know? also that that was Carmela's idea. He wasn't there for Polly. Carmela no. said, I think it's a good idea. It was no. basically. But yeah, he like just totally bails. Right. On those things. So, well. I did wonder, did they really have to schedule them at exactly the same time? Was that really I know. Necessary? It, I don't know. I don't know what the scheduling was like. <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was some development actually. Like once he is in Vegas, there was an interesting shot when he's sitting by the pool. There's kind of this. It's also a really short scene. Yeah. Really short scene. But I think maybe in some ways the purpose of the scene is there's this spinning shot that reminds me of the opening shot of college where we mm. spin around Tony and see both sides of his face. But this spinning shot is interrupted and edited before we see the other side of his mm. face. So it actually only mm. shows one side of his face. I think that he's become maybe less of a complex character as the show has gone on. And that he's also maybe embracing this kind of basicness and this kind of shallowness and lack of emotion and empathy. Yeah, I think that's a really good read. Even actually like where we end up when he goes into this devil scene and he's at the casino, we see him and Chris's girlfriend, uh, CG, <laughs> CF, <laughs> Chris's friend. Friend, yeah. And um, we see them from behind wearing all black and the dealers are wearing all white. Like it's so strong. And that's something that... I was going to say we, but I have mostly talked about for this whole show. Um, Going back to like, I think it was like season two, there's some like very strong um, examples of, well, I mean, it's all over the place. I'm just thinking of the one where Artie decides with the soccer coach. Yeah. Basically he says, you can't do it. You can't kill him. You can't act violently. And there's these like white and black clothes and these ideas of like right and wrong. uh, And also like many times reinforcing these ideas of like, Tony seeing things in a black and white fashion. Like, that is a very deliberate choice to yeah. have those characters looking that way. Yeah. And there is maybe, like, also this aspect of Tony reverting to this kind of black and white viewpoint right. on everything. And that's where he ends. Yeah. And that's what he gets. Yeah. And that things are very basic. And it does stay in that kind of, like, in here, it's the 1950s out there. It's the, yeah. you know, late 90s, yeah. 2000s. Like, you know, when this show is kind of basically creating this like timepiece of that time in America. Yeah. But there is this kind of very basic black and white dimension to how Tony is seeing everything and this very basic kind of animalistic self-fulfilling part of who Tony is and has become at the end yeah. of the show. Yeah. It's interesting. Like that last scene. So on past viewings, I thought that he was saying I did it. I also thought that last time. Um, so that's, I don't know. I mean, that's not what the HBO subtitles say, but... No, um, he gets it. He gets it. Um, I also just... And so I don't know. Like, you know, I don't really... It, I, I, I think I get it is probably correct. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I like how we end the episode with him opening his mouth to say something else. And it mm. cuts off like he like almost opens his mouth to say I get it again, right? Like he like stands or up or maybe and tell like, us what he gets, right? But or to tell, give us ambiguity, yeah. yeah. And I and I so I like Interesting. that. Interesting. Um, yeah, he like opens his mouth just yeah. as the scene cuts to black. But I think that like the fact that he says I get it after the solar flare, which is so clearly linked to the beacon, mm-hmm. is Tony answering these questions of existence that he's been asking throughout the whole yeah show. Yeah, I think that it is like him solving that puzzle. Yeah. Even if we can't. Yeah. At yeah. least on, maybe we should well, just I all guess, do like, peyote. So, like, you, I would like to go to, <laughs> to Vegas and do peyote. Um, then we can solve all the questions of surprise. Yeah. We'll know definitively. 
Yeah. <laughs> and life. Not even just Sopranos. Yeah. Existence. The cosmos. The solar system. The solar system. We'll know the rhythm of the solar system. Yeah. That would be great. Same principles. Yeah. Has the same principles as roulette. I mean, I think technically, if I learn anything today, it's that if we do it, we could probably make a lot of money on roulette. It seems like a good idea. What do you think about 24, 20, 24, <laughs> black? I probably have to do peyote to know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I think those are, I, I remember like, like maybe like three times ago watching this show and looking that up mm. or thinking about it. And I think it is the ages of AJ and Meadow. Oh, interesting. Is Meadow only 24? She seems so mature. <laughs> She's very mature for her age. I don't know. I yeah. don't know exactly. Like, I don't know what year Meadow was born in and what I year we are now. But yeah. I mean, they're approximately that. Right. AJ's in grade eight with his confirmation when Meadow's in her last year of high school. So. Right. Right. There you go. There you go. And <laughs> we know that AJ is not yet 21. Mm. Right. So. Good point. Um, other ideas? Um, I mean, I guess we'll see what Tony, if we can <laughs> understand what Tony got uh, based we'll on see. his behavior in the next few episodes. We might not find out on a weekly basis because <laughs> <laughs> our goal was to finish this before I have to leave for about a month. Um, we're going to, we're not, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make <laughs> we're it. We're not going to make it. <laughs> Uh, if this keeps coming out, it's because we stockpiled them and managed to finish all the episodes before I go. But within a week, we're, we're gonna. It's less than a week, I think. Less than a week. No. Anyway, not long. It's yeah. not long. We don't have any episodes left, but we're gonna try. But it just might not happen realistically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on. We're gonna try, but at the end of the day, this season is too good, and the end of the show has too much going on to speed it up or not give it the justice that it deserves and I won't be able to <laughs> record it for mm. a while so there might be a little bit of a break just fair warning mm -hmm. but we are so close to the end and before you know it we'll be done we'll be done our Sopranos podcast forever crazy unless you want to do it again from the beginning thought about it yeah we could do it like at another time in our lives. Well, that's so. I think like that's the thing is like, this show is amazing. Yeah, obviously we love it more than any other show. Um, I think I get something. I think I would have a completely different completely. podcast. Yeah, probably in some ways. Yeah, um, but maybe not. I was thinking about maybe not watching TV after this for a while, mm. <laughs> just giving up. A, because I've realized that I don't like anything anymore. Yeah. I just don't feel like watching TV ever. Yeah. But also, it's that, that age-old dilemma of watching The Sopranos and then having existential crises, crises all the time because you're just dealing with this too much. So, yeah. gotta chill. Gotta read a book. Yeah. A nice light book. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Thanks for listening. This is my favorite episode, so... It's Alex's favorite episode. <laughs> uh, we will be back. Christopher is my favorite character. This and so sad. it's impossible for this to be my favorite episode. Yeah. Because it's... Mm. Too sad. It's too sad for me. Well, 
We're gonna go eat all you can eat sushi now. We'll probably continue to talk about this. <laughs> we won't record it though. Mm. So thank you for listening. See ya. We'll be back. <laughs>